Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, another video edition here where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Perhaps you're listening online at pathtozion.com to the audio-only version, or of course here on YouTube watching the video. Thank you for joining us today wherever you are with your part of your journey. And there is a lot going on here at the podcast. We've been getting a lot of information regarding people's opinions, thoughts, concerns, questions about what we've been proposing here for the last 30 days or so primarily back when we started the Inhabitant series, um, which you know by now is quite lengthy. And then the last series that we did um, when we are just really questioning a lot of things that we do and why, what are the origins, the foundations? Why is it that we do the things that we do in this nation, in in our churches, in our gatherings, and most importantly, right here in our heart. Like, why do we do the things that we do? What traditions have we adopted? What is it that we have added to our life that was just handed to us? Why do we do the things that we do? Why does the church look the way that she does is one thing, of course, we talk about with great regularity here. And so we're continuing to ask questions, and we've got a lot of feedback over the last several weeks from viewers, listeners to the program, and, and it's so exciting to hear from people in different places about their vantage point on what the Spirit is saying in this hour, and what in the world are we doing? What are we called to do and to be in this hour, in this age? And one of the things that led me to today was, was from a viewer who sent us a video um, just yesterday. And, and this video is of a couple who lives in Israel. I don't know anything about them. I've never even seen them before or even heard their name. Um, but it was basically a, a very just casual video that was calling out the false prophets of the hour. And, and the viewer of our program thought that I would probably be interested to hear their vantage point. And, and we hear from different people that follow the program here that send us stuff to just constantly remind us and just be kind people and say, you know what? I know a lot of times you probably feel very alone. You probably feel very odd, like you're you're just weird. But there are others who are hearing the same thing and saying the same message. You've just got to really dig it out. And so I'm so thankful when when people who, who keep track of what we're doing here send anything, any kind of correspondence with us to say, you know what? You're not alone. And, and just the fact that we're hearing from people who want our phone number and they want to get together and how do we meet in person and can we talk, can we pray, can we talk about this narrow way remnant reality about what do we do? Not just what do we just critique and call out as wrong, but what do we do? What do we put our hands to? And that's what we're trying to get to the heart of here. And so when this when this viewer sent us um, this video, I, I was intrigued by something that they brought up in the middle of the presentation that they did. And it was a, this account in, in 1 Kings. And to be completely honest, I didn't remember it whatsoever. I'm no Bible scholar. I don't have any trouble admitting that. But I instantly, after the video was over, even before it was over, I had my Bible out and I'm looking at 1 Kings and I began to read the text. It's 1 Kings chapter 13. And I began to read it. 
And my wife and I, it was another snowy day here, so our son was outside playing in the snow. And so we had some some adult conversation, and we just read that chapter, and we just went over it. And next thing you know, of course, my wife had to go and tend to some other things, and I just, I was locked in. And I spent a good amount of time yesterday, and then a couple hours again this morning, studying 1 Kings chapter 13. And, and the dialogue that my wife and I had, and, and what I kept just going over, and I took some time to just ask the Father, like, what is it that's in this for us? What is it that's in this? Because there's a topical, somewhat simple message within that, a simple warning, if you will, that's not lesser necessarily, but it's just a simple, simple topical um, understanding of the text. But I just felt like there was something more. Like, I believe there's something deeper to this. And so I kept reading it, and I kept reading it. And then I do, you know, just study. Shoot off here, shoot off here, word study, word study, word study, word study, times 30. Ah, ah, the, the, <laughs> the what I'm always saying, the living and activeness of the eternal written word of God. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it in the whole world. There's literally nothing like that. There's nothing like being a man, a human being, filled with the spirit of the living God, reading this living word, and it bubbles up inside of you. And you think of this, and you think of that, and the Holy Spirit reveals this, and the eternal scriptures, the written word, points to this, which points to this, which points to this, it is the most complex, mystical, to use the word rightly, text ever compiled, friends. I hope you know that. I hope that I think back to my old life about how my Bible sat around. How how 20 years ago my Bible just sat around. And I would feel guilty. Oh, I need to read. I need to read. I don't get anything out of when I read. Well, you read anyway, and you do a book, and you do a study, and you do a Man, I just am so thankful that the gift that this is, the gift that this is now, has come alive in my life. And it's been that way for a very long time now, but I'm never bored with that idea. It's, it's incredible, right? So I spent several hours studying this text. And the result? Another video podcast series, of course. <laughs> I can't help myself. And so today is an interesting title. Again, I, I mentioned in the last series, I love titling things. Like when I talked about um, os- spiritual osmosis, the, the um, what was it? The, <laughs> the assimilation of the church. Well, today is somewhat catchy like that. And this is going to be titled, One That Lied, One That Died, and the Prototype for the Apostate Church. How's that for a title? If I, if I was watching this program, I think I'd be like, man, I'd kind of like to listen to that. <laughs> one that lied, one that died, and the prototype for the apostate church. Now, our primary text is going to be 1 Kings 12 and 13, for the most part. But I want to start in Deuteronomy chapter 23. And, and we have to set uh, an original groundwork. Um, I have a brother that, that we text back and forth a good bit. He is a he is a studier. He he is a he has an interesting perspective and lens that everything that he hears within the Word of God goes through. And and so when we dialogue on anything, 
he sends me back to places where things started. Like, in regards to God's people and, and the and everything that transpired in their errant decisions, in their disobedience, in their laying aside the commands of Yahweh Elohim, this is where things started to turn. This is where the origin, the origin of a lot of these things began. And so I don't remember if it was him. I talked to several individuals about some of these texts over the last 24 hours. Man, not even. I mean, it hasn't even been that long. But anyway, however the case, I landed in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, it's a lot of blessings and curses um, for the ones who, as we'll read, diligently obey Yahweh Elohim. And I just want to make a quick point, and then we'll get really started. Now it shall be, if, if you will diligently obey Yahweh your Elohim, being careful to do all that he has commanded, all of his commandments, which I command you today, he, Yahweh Elohim, will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you will obey Yahweh, your Elohim. Listen to the voice of, hear and obey. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. And this goes on and on. This, this could take some time. Now, this goes all the way to verse 14 in chapter 28. But what's interesting is, is, is we could read all these things, and in, in verse 15, it picks up on what, what some Bibles may just say, consequences of disobedience, curses. We have the blessings, and then we have the curses. Now, what's interesting is 53 verses later, the curses come to an end for the lawless, for the disobedient ones, for the ones who, you know what? We have our own unique way of approaching God, of worshiping, of establishing a house, of a sanctuary. Um, we have an order of service, if you will. We've got it. Thank you. All of these other things we've been told, the stuff that, that precedes the blessings in, 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 in specifics, Deuteronomy 28 that says, if you, when you, I will. Friends, we have to understand, and then we're going to have to get into this study, of course. And I know I drive this home all the time. I hear so many just mainstream Christians, Christian Americans who just believe in Jesus and ask Jesus into their heart and have a New Testament doctrine divorced and void of, of this type of thing, yet they go back and they quote the blessings I hear all the time. Blessed in your coming and in your going. And, and you hear that in, a, in an average Baptist church service. But when you say, okay, well, what about these commands then? The if you do's. Well, we don't keep those anymore. We're free in Jesus. We don't have any we don't have to do that. Now we have a new covenant that replaced the old. Well, then why are the why are the covenantal promises still true if that's old? Shouldn't we have just new stuff on the other side of that as well? Well, those blessings things, we want those. We want those. But we don't want to talk about the if yous for the people that those blessings are applicable to. And so we have some issues right here out of the gate that we've got to set up. And now why are we going to talk about that? 
Well, let's start with the man who, he's a curses category kind of fella, King Jeroboam. Now, he, of course, shows up here in 1 Kings chapter 13. So we're going to turn there and we're going to go there next. He was absolutely a lawless, disobedient one. And he is the one that we're going to kind of start backwards here. He, in my opinion, my definition, is the prototype for the apostate church. He sets up, he, he instates the prototype for the apostate lawless church. He sets in place a pattern, an order of, of the way these people function according to his own ideas, his own rules, his own functions on how people even interact in the temple, what they're doing, why they're there. And so he, I, I'm going to promote that he, in fact, instated the first prototype of the apostate church. We're going to, let's just read some here. First Kings chapter 12. Um, let's see, I'm going to start in verse 28. Okay, so we'll get right to the heart of his, of his issues. So the king, Jeroboam, consulted and made two golden calves. Uh-oh, we got a problem right out of the gate. <laughs> Seen this before. He makes two golden calves, and he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Don't worry about all that stuff, man. Feast of the Lord, you don't want to have to do all that. It's too much trouble. Let's do something right here that's a little bit easier. So he makes two golden calves, and he says, Behold, your gods, O Israel, these gods that brought you up from the land of Egypt. Are you kidding me? Foolishness, right? It seems unbelievable that all of a sudden he, he makes two golden calves and says what? These two calves delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians? Surely people won't buy that, right? Oh, of course they do. And so in verse 29, he set one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. He made houses on high places. He made priests from among all the people who were not of the sons of Levi. Not good. Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like the feast which was in Judah. And he went up to the altar. Thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he had made. And he stationed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he has made. Did you see the key here? Which he has made, which he has made, which he has made. Verse 33 of chapter 12. Then he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day in the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the sons of Israel. And he went up to the altar to burn incense. And so right here out of the gate, we have a little snapshot into the beginnings of the apostate church. And we're going to make some quick parallels, and we're going to keep moving on. This is going to be a multi-part series, of course. But I want to make very clear the overreaching issue found within the, within the circumstances of, of this text. 1 Kings 12, and then we'll get to 13. This age, I would say, is much like today, except now we're much more mature in the advancing of our own ways. So much so that it's not new whatsoever. In fact, what was old, what preceded Jeroboam, seems wrong. 
We're so far down the line now, can we not say that the things that preceded what we see now seem wrong? Seems like the the wrong way to worship God? That's how far we've come, but the but the the prototype is clear. Jeroboam is 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 setting up his own ideas. He's birthing the apostate church that I believe we see today. He was enacting his own ways, his own feasts, his own ways to worship. In verse 33, 31, rather, we saw that he even assigned common people to be priests. Now, this was not cool. This wasn't like, well, now, you know, New Testament thinking where, well, we're all priests, the priesthood of believers. We're talking about a time period where there was an order of the way the temple functioned. And Yahweh God is the one who said, this is how it goes, period. I'm not asking your opinion. Well, he decided, you know what? We're just going to go make priests out of whoever you want, whoever we want to. Hey, Jim, I know you're a blacksmith. I know you got a drinking problem and you beat your wife and you got four Asherah poles in your closet. But hey, brother, would you like to be a priest? Sure. (laughs) I know that sounds absurd, but this makes it very clear in the biblical text that he just took commoners. The average Joe man that was not in Levitical order and priesthood. They should not have been performing those functions, but Jeroboam said, hey, doesn't matter to me. This is what we're going to do. And the people, of course, as is always true throughout the people of God, they follow They'll show up to worship the golden calves, and after a while, yeah, the golden calves delivered our forefathers from the hands of the Egyptians. Yep, it was them. Foolish and true. He consistently disobeyed Yahweh's commands and order. And what he was doing was an abomination in the eyes of the Lord, period. Of course. So that is the, the end of 1 Kings chapter 12, where we see a little bit of what's going on in what we are about to move into in chapter 13. Jeroboam, the first king, comes in, institutes his own ways, his own order of worship, if you will. It it blows my mind that he even instituted his own feast. Like, that quick, man, man, oh my gosh. It's incredible how quickly man moves upon their depravity. The decline is steep. So here we see the apostate church set in place, disobedient to Yahweh's commands, exchanged for Jeroboam's own ideas. And so the way I see what we're about to move into in 1 Kings chapter 13 is because the king was unwilling to have Yahweh's priestly order in place. And because of all these different things that are going on, Yahweh sends a voice. He sends a man into the situation, basically to just simplify, to prophesy against Jeroboam in the, the established ways of his kingdom. And so let's just go ahead and that, do that because Yahweh sends the, the man of God, the prophet, to bring judgment, words of judgment, because of the disobedience of Jeroboam and his kingdom. 
So let's just read a little bit in verse uh, 1 of chapter 13. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah. We're not even told his name. He came to Bethel by the word of the Lord, while Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says Yahweh, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Yikes. Then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign or the wonder that Yahweh has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now it came about when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar in Bethel, that Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. But when he did, his hand that he stretched out against him dried up, so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also, in verse 5, was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the Lord your God and pray for me. Soften the face of Yahweh Elohim is the verbiage here. Why? So that my hand may be restored. The man of God does this. And the king's hand was restored became just as it was before. Now, verse 7, the king said to the man of God, the man of God now, it's a pretty good title to have. (laughs) Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. Now, pay attention. He offers him a reward to come to his house and be refreshed. Now, in verse 8, the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For it was commanded me by the word of Yahweh, saying, You shall eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way which you came. So he went another way, and he did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. Okay, so here we have this man of God. 1 Kings chapter 13, he's introduced on the scene as simply that. He's the man of God. (laughs) Somewhat just this mystical man. He comes in and he calls out Jeroboam in his ways. And Yahweh gives an immediate sign that the man of God's prophecy was true. Jeroboam's hand withers when he reaches out to to grab the man of God. And more importantly, in verse 5, the altar splits right then and there, just like he prophesied in that very moment. Wouldn't that be nice? Every time you prophesied something, it happened within a couple minutes so you know you weren't losing your mind. <laughs> but idolatry had been brought into the temple, and, and Yahweh God was saying, you know what, I've had enough. Now, now it's interesting to note some of these things that, that like in the, in the temple were these two golden calves. That was back in 1228. Not one now, but two. So we have increased idolatry. We've seen the pattern of the golden calf, but by this point, now we've got two golden calves on the scene. And so this man of God comes in. 
and it's 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 fascinating really that when you think about these things being real life for these individuals, real life now, it's fascinating to me that in that event, the man's hand, Jeroboam's hand was withered with a fast, a fast judgment. He requests that that the man of God asked Yahweh to heal him back. Number one, the man of God does it. Number two, Yahweh hears and does it in response to the man of God's prayer. It's fascinating. makes no sense, but it's worth mentioning. Even when we are a, a, in a prophetic function and we're bringing the word of the Lord, which, which is not what the favorable words of the Lord that come out today are, which is what that couple was bringing out in their video, Who's calling out the false prophets? We've talked about that enough. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't even want to give them an ounce of my breath in my lungs. But a rightful prophet, now a biblical prophet, this man of God brings a direct, hard, clear word. Yahweh responds with a certification, if you will, an example, a sign to say, yep, this is true. But even in that, and as the man comes out, as Jeroboam comes out to grab the man of God, and his hand withers, of course, by by Yahweh's hand, he caused that to happen, to protect his man of God, to protect his prophet speaking his word. God takes care of his prophets, people. And the judgment comes, but there's still a heart of compassion, of kindness, where the, the man of God is willing to pray for the man to be healed, for, to pray for his hand to be restored. And then Yahweh actually does it. Are you kidding me? What's going on here? We don't understand the fullness of Yahweh Elohim. He's incredible. He's perfect. He's right. He's just. And he is control of all these circumstances down here. I just found that interesting. And so we're probably going to bring this one to a close, and we're going to get to the other candidate in this in this account. We've got a long way to go. So we've already looked at the, the setting up of the kingdom by Jeroboam, which is the prototype for the apostate church. We're going to touch on that a little bit more, but this, this story, this account, this record, man, please don't think, well, this is going to be a yawner because what are you going to do? Just read more of the Bible? Well, we have to read the text because you might take not take the time to. We have to read it because we're going to set the table for some points with it. This is basically just saying these are interesting, fascinating facts within this account that aren't in the account that you have to follow to 2 Kings and to Jeremiah and to over here and to over there. Hosea, ah, that's why this makes sense. That's why this matters. That's why we're told this right here in a very interesting place. So we're going to get to that part. So we've looked at the prototype for the apostate church, just to put it on the table. And we've looked at the one that died. (sighs) He hasn't died yet. We're going to get to that next. I think we'll leave that to the next part. And we haven't even talked about the one that lied. This is a very intriguing account, friends. Please tune back in for the next part. I'm telling you, you're going to find this very fascinating once we get into it. Because there's layers, like anything on all, when all these Bible accounts, layers of understanding, layers of truth. We're just going to pick a few, be captivated by those few that I actually dug out in a few hours. There's plenty of layers 
for us to learn, for us to apply, and for us to come out the other side with some wisdom, with some eyes to see, with some ears to hear. Father, help us to be a people who learn from your word because there's nothing like, like where I started, there's nothing like opening up this word of God and studying it out and it becomes alive in us. So tune back in. We're going to talk about much more here in the next part. We're going to introduce this this interesting fella who's called the old prophet. He's he's an interesting fella. We're going to get to him right out of the gate as soon as we start part two. So make sure you come back. We are doing a study, one that lied, one that died, and the prototype for the apostate church out of 1 Kings 12 and 13. For the most part, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. um, Do all those things. Send us an email if you'd like. Pat the Zion podcast at gmail.com. If you want to help us with this program, we need, we need funds to, to just keep this thing going. It's a minimal cost, as I'm always saying, but if anybody wants to join in and help us, I'm finding that if I just let people know that, there are people interested to help. So if that's you, yes and amen, reach out to us and do that. If not, thank you for watching. Share these if you think it's anything of life and substance from the eternal scriptures that have been preserved all the way to today for us to apply to our lives. So thank you. You've been watching and listening to the Path Design Podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online 24-7, of course, on YouTube, on Facebook, and at pathdesign.com. Amen.